0: welcome to Asian American Stories by AAPI LA. My name is Kalika Yap, a serial AAPI entrepreneur and part of the AAPI Los Angeles Task Force. Today, we are so excited to introduce you to Young Chang, CEO of Asha Foods, the makers of the delicious Asha dry noodles we love so much. Welcome, Young! Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, Clicker. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: First, I want to give our gratitude and awe and thank you on behalf of AAPILA for being the first sponsor to step up and support AAPILA through the month of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. It's an honor. So it's an honor to be part of the project. And we're glad to be the inaugural sponsor, vendor, partner, whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, before we get to know you a little bit better, I'd love for you to tell us about the APILA and ASHA Food Truck Club.
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, as part of this program, we always hear that food is always one of the best ways to really bridge culture. And I think that's, you know, behind everything, that's probably the singular goal is to create more awareness between cultures and let people understand more about API cultures. So we're thrilled. We're really excited about the idea. We think it's an amazing idea to use food as the vehicle to kind of communicate and create awareness. So um, we have a collaboration. So we've got this beautiful food truck that is roaming the streets of LA now. It's got a very, I would say ethnic kind of modern, it's very anime-ish. It's It was hand-drawn by one of our um, employees. And so it looks like graffiti. It looks like street art, but it's inspired by Taiwanese cuisine. Our Asha Foods is a Taiwanese-based ramen noodle. So we're all about promoting Taiwanese cuisine and promoting our culture through our food. So that food truck will be serving um, Asha dry noodles, and it's going to be in a customized format where very similar to Chipotle. So this is where we allow the bridging to happen. Um, You can basically go up and pick your own sauce and pick your own toppings. So It's customizable to a certain degree. So if you don't like certain ingredients or certain sauce types, you can customize it to the way that you like it. And the big culmination of this event would be the Smorgasbord event on May 22nd, where we will be introducing our Asha flying noodles. So we're very excited about that. It's something that we've always wanted to do. And um, what better place than Smorgasbord with the um, AAPI initiative with the LA City's office to unveil our flying noodle?
0: Well, my 13-year-old and 15-year-old daughter, who both go to Harvard Westlake, love anime and they love ramen. So you have just combined the two things that I think teenage girls love. So thank you so much for doing that. We love it. Yeah. Well, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your origin story, your background, where you grew up, and and how did you get to be where you are today, the CEO of Asha Foods?
1: I think I was pretty from a pretty simple background, um, son of immigrant parents that- immigrated from Taiwan to US. Um, I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So in the heartland of America, lived there for about 12 years. Uh, So my childhood was basically growing up in Minnesota. Um, From that point, my parents, because of work, moved to California, the Bay Area, San Jose, Silicon Valley, to be specific. And um, that's where I spent the better part of middle school, high school. And uh, for university, I went to um, UC Irvine. So I followed the path of, I feel like, a lot of similar American-born Chinese. Um, Well, I went to UC Irvine, and then after that, uh, I spent um, a good four or five years in entertainment media um, at the Walt Disney Company and also in Warner Brothers. In the Burbank area, doing consulting in IT, um, and then I went to USC for my um, MBA. And so I'm a proud Trojan graduate of Marshall School of Business. And interesting story is that I don't have a food background, so I spent about 18 years in corporate. So as I mentioned, um, I worked for all the all the major studios in LA, and I also worked for you know like IBM, Pricewaterhouse, Waterhouse, Cisco. So I was heavy into the tech world. Um, the opportunity came about. Um, through my through my partner, who actually is from Taiwan, so my partner is the owner of Breeze Center, which is the largest um, uh, it's the largest Taiwanese-owned shopping mall center um, in Taiwan. We have twelve properties, and um, he himself is not from food world either. So when he um, started getting involved with the food business, he had this vision of creating healthy food, sustainable food, and more so because of. Health factors. Um, you know, eating something that was good for the family, good for our kids. And when he got involved with this project, he wanted to export because he felt like this was such a great Taiwanese thing. And you know, dry noodle in Chinese culture is nothing new. We probably most of us grew up on it, right? So he had a vision to share this with the rest of the world. And I was basically the guy living in the U.S. that was his trusted person. So we kind of put this project together. Uh, My partner's name is Henry Liao. And so he asked me to get involved. And I said, the first thing I said to him was, I don't want to do this because I'm not part of food. I don't know the food business. I'm I'm a corporate guy. I've always been a corporate guy and I don't know anything about this. Um, But what he told me was that the reason why we'll succeed is because we are both not from this world. He's from real estate. He's from branding and marketing and retail. I'm from IT and, you know, very stringent corporate structure, uh, Fortune 100 companies, that kind of thing. And he said, for that reason, we'll succeed because everything that we do will be different from any other food business out there because we are not from this world. So we don't have to try to think differently and try to innovate because in our bones and in our DNA, that's how, that's who we are. We come from different, different backgrounds. So for us to come into the food space, it'll totally change things. It'll he'll turn the turn the industry upside down and i i think he was right
0: yes i'd love to tell the audience a little bit about your noodles it's recognized by some critics as the top noodle from taiwan it has a patented 100-year-old recipe and time-honored 18-hour noodle drying technique Yes. It contains no artificial flavoring or preservatives and has over 10 grams of plant-based protein. So for all those people, you know, in keto, you know, they're gonna love that, right? 10 no. grams of plant-based protein per serving. Yes. And it's a must-try for anyone that hasn't yet. For the entrepreneurs that are listening out there, you know, you 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 didn't come from the food business, but you guys were willing to 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 jump in. What's your advice for someone who's building and growing a company?
1: I think my advice is, um, I think this is anyone that's gone to business school or talked to successful entrepreneurs have probably heard it before. But I truly, truly believe that, and I have too many stories and too many anecdotes to back up this theory, but I think success is really where opportunity and preparation meets, right? So there's so many things happening in the world and so many things that we can control and we cannot control. And I feel like people get caught up a lot of times trying to control things that they cannot. Whereas if you focus on yourself and you focus on your business and doing the right things, that's the preparedness, right? And then you just wait, wait for the opportunity to present itself because a business like Asha Noodles, I mean, as you mentioned, we have a lot of good things going for us. However, we're entering a space that's very well established. And when you think about innovation in ramen noodles, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a kind of like a unicorn, right? There's like ramen noodles have been around for a long time. How do you innovate this world? How do you break into it? And I think for us, I mean, we just continually improved our product. Like all those things you mentioned, all those buzzwords, we didn't actually seek out trying to create something that was high in protein, something that was, you know, all natural, no MSG. Our product was just like that because for us, that's the kind of stuff that we want to eat. That's the kind of things we want to give our kids. So for us, we created those products and we tried to be best in class when it comes to those products. And we just waited for the right opportunity. We waited for the right partners, the right support system to kind of, you know, realize or, or create that demand for this product. And so I feel like, um, you know, everything we do is very genuine because we didn't change the product. This company has been around since 1977. As you mentioned, the recipe is 100 years old. There's no magic in it. I think it's just um, a really good product that was waiting for its time. And um, we got lucky enough to have the opportunity to bring it to the world at the right time.
0: Wow, that's so wonderful. And so when you got your MBA at USC, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or did you want to stick in the corporate world in in a high level, like a C-suite?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, funny enough, like I went to MBA because in my tech job, I realized that I wasn't the smartest engineer and I wasn't the best coder, but I was really good at being able to kind of translate what we were doing in the back rooms to executives and to be able to do... A lot of you know executive level reporting. I was an Excel jockey and a PowerPoint jockey, and I was really good at that. So they kind of pushed me in that direction. So the natural next step for me to fully exit the tech world was to, again, you know, looking for opportunities and looking for ways to improve. It wasn't just about going to my management and saying I really want to do this thing, but I went out and said I'm going to go get my MBA now. So now when I come back, I've actually proven that. I'm serious about doing this career shift and career change. So um, when I went to USC, I feel like um, it was one of the biggest blessings I've ever had to go to. I was fortunate enough to go to grad school at USC, meet amazing people that have changed my life, changed my career. Um, But I didn't know what I wanted, actually. I just knew that that was kind of the thing that I had to do at that moment. But as I go through my daily routine, I constantly, almost every day, go back and think about things that I learned in school, things that I heard of, and, you know, professors talking, and so I'm constantly drawing from that education and that experience. So completely invaluable, but I, I I cannot honestly say that I knew what I wanted to do at the time, but I knew that it just had to be done. So shout out to my alma mater, but they definitely prepared me for this world very well. <laughs>
0: Your co-founder has different skill sets. You mentioned real estate and branding. How important is it for someone to find the right business partner?
1: Oh, I think it's it's everything because, you know, I don't think anyone can be everything altogether. But where you have weaknesses and your partner can fill those gaps, that's where the magic happens. And you can quickly be a more well-rounded person, a more well-rounded business um, with the right partner at the same time, if you have partners that are both strong in a certain area, that might not be a great partnership because you both are so good at what you do and both have the same, um, the, you know, the, 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 the same strength. So you have the different opinions and things like that. But I think where my partner and I are very magical is that he's got all the skills that I don't have. And I have certain skills that he doesn't have. So together we're like a transformer of like, you know, basically like a really strong business team.
0: Uh, that that sounds so incredible because I think that's something that a lot of businesses want. You know, they want to have complementary yes. skills. And today, you know, you were at City Hall, you know, because today's May 3rd API LA Day. And you were the one that, well, because you're, you're CEO. Is that a typical day? What is a typical day for you as CEO?
1: Typical day for me as a CEO is very not, not glamorous, so <laughs> today was definitely a good day. It was great to be out, great, great to meet so many of the city leaders and see so much support for AAPI it's something that i feel is long overdue and something that's very near and dear to us obviously because we're from that world and i feel like we need to step forward and lead the way and show other businesses that you know everyone's going through the same struggle everyone's going through the same things but we want to be an example we want to be a beacon we want to be a representation of api all the api cultures right and so typical day for us is you know dealing with the you know regular issues of, of any business right who's sick Who's coming in the office today? What shipments are coming in uh, coming in? Which customers have ordered, which customers have not ordered, right? So, um, but every day is a blessing. Every day is a challenge. Every day is fun. Um, I truly enjoy my job. I love it. I don't feel like I, I, I work a single day in my life. I never take a vacation, but I just came back from Hawaii last week. Completely business related, even though no one believes me, but, we met with all of our buyers and you know, our, this job, I've been so fortunate that it's taken me around the world. It's allowed me to meet so many wonderful people and experience so many new things. So I never take a day for granted. The noodle world has been very good to me.
0: Well, I'm from Hawaii. So were you on ah. Oahu or what island?
1: We were on Honolulu. Uh, yeah, Oahu and just basically Honolulu, launching at ABC, launching at 7-Eleven and Don Quixote and Times, all those great markets. So
0: What about (laughs) Foodland?
1: Foodland, yes. We're actually coming up with a, we're going to be coming up with a, this is a little bit top secret, but it's a Hawaii exclusive item, a collab with a very local uh, brand to do a Hawaii inspired Simon product, only available in Hawaii, only available to purchase in Hawaii. So we're super excited about that.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful because abc stores is also one of our clients too um through uh, my my design agency and they're such a great they such are. great brand to work with and um and i'm wondering whether or not the noodles are going to have spam
1: uh, that's the that, that that is on the table yes
0: <laughs> or vienna sausage <laughs>
1: yes yes
0: Right, it's true, right? Because that's how everyone grew up. Everyone in the plantations—that that's—they would eat uh, spam yeah. and be in a sausage. To
1: taste tastes amazing.
0: And now it's going to be ten grams of plant-based protein. <laughs> that's slash right. Slash spam. So, being an AAPI entrepreneur in Hawaii has its advantages, hmm. but outside of Hawaii, right? Because Hawaii is, you know, basically almost half of us are Asian Pacific Islanders there. Does being AAPI outside of Hawaii create different challenges for entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, so funny enough, when we were in Hawaii, I was telling all of our vendors that we were doing this big anti-AAPI hate thing with the LA City's office. And um, nobody knew what that was. They said, we don't feel any AAPI hate or negativity. Because we are the we are the majority here. I found that very interesting because you know, especially for me growing up in, in Minnesota, I was the only Chinese kid, except for my sister. So that taught me to be very well behaved, very well mannered because. It's hard to say, no, it was the other Asian kid because I was the only one, right? So I could never get away with anything in school and I could never get away with doing anything bad. I think that taught me a lot of discipline. It taught me a lot of understanding. It taught me how to, you know, almost be a representative from a very young age. And that's something that my mom taught me from a a very young age, especially living there, which is, you know, we stand out. So we have to be extra careful. And that's just part of the thing. I mean, living in a society, um, you just have to sort of assimilate. Of course, that doesn't mean that you know, you let, you know, you get walked all over and things like that, but where you can sort of, you know, work around certain things, you just try to avoid certain confrontations and make things happen. But um, getting back to the question, I think actually being AAPI actually has a lot of advantages in the US. For example, we have a great partnership with Target and Target is actually doing this big campaign about, AAPI month this year and Asha Foods was featured as one of the AAPI vendors. So if you go to their website or go on the app, you'll see our products featured as part of the AAPI collection. So I think conversely, we also have a great relationship with Costco and all of these companies um, and Walmart included, they're all very cognizant of, you know, current affairs, current issues. And I think they've done an amazing job to really step up and really help and support and really make an Make a point about it and to say, you know, not only are we recognizing that this is important, we are actually going to move you guys to the front of the line and give you guys some opportunity as well because it is so important. So I think, you know, we always look for, try to look for positives whenever there's negative things happening. And if anything, throughout all this, I think it has brought more awareness to these issues because as I mentioned, how I was brought and how I was taught up a lot of times was really bite your tongue and turn the other cheek. But now, we don't necessarily have to. I mean, especially today, seeing the everyone out there so inspirational and it's it's nice because, you know, as AAPI members, we can say all we want, but until the community comes together and until everyone gets behind it, that's really where it is. And I have, no, I have nothing but good things to say about our vendors. They have really just been really, really supportive and really helped out. And it doesn't hurt that Asian category is one of the fastest growing categories in all these retailers either. So um, it's kind of like a win-win scenario for everyone.
0: And I understand that you have a young family, and you know this is such a great example to to set for your family. How do you think things are going to change in the future in the API community?
1: I think because of all this, I mean, all the awareness. I know that at least people are recognizing, right? And so, a lot of times, when there's problems, like the like like the toughest thing I think is to get people to acknowledge that there's an issue or there's a problem but now that it's been called out and there's being so much attention brought to it i'm hopeful that my son will grow up in a world where you know things change and i mean i think you know as people intermingle and you know the u.s is such a melting pot of cultures i think more and more everyone is just kind of assimilating with each other and it's very difficult to stay very like homogenized into one ethnicity. It's so difficult these days. And I think it's great because there's more and more people that are, you know, kind of integrating and understanding and, you know, for for ourselves and hopefully with our products. I mean, we're just a small noodle company, but I'm hoping that some way with our product, we can help people understand more about Taiwanese culture, Chinese culture, Asian culture, and at least be able to, through food, you know, let people at least share some of our culture and understand more of our culture. And I think it's a very unintimidating thing. It's not asking for too much, but in some ways, some very small ways, it is showing support.
0: So you are, you have some exciting things this month. You're introducing new products. How has business changed after COVID? Like what, what should other entrepreneurs be thinking about in 2022?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess um, I go back to my point of just having the, Having the right preparation. I mean, COVID was a was a terrible, terrible thing. It has wreaked havoc on the global economy and supply chain, everything. Um, however, businesses like ours, which is you know shelf stable packaged food, it actually was a eye opening uh, game changer for our business. I think previously to COVID, I mean, the the online food industry was probably. I don't know, less than 10%, I'm guessing, whereas electronics and beauty care and clothing was explosive online. Food was the one that was never kind of moving forward, but since COVID, I think everyone now has gotten comfortable with ordering food online. Um, COVID has been a blessing in disguise for our company and I think many other companies in our industry that it allowed us to, you know, because of this unfortunate incident, it allowed us to gain more fans and gain more awareness around our product. And so it really changed our business. But again, if as a business, if you're not ready to seize the opportunity, then you may miss your chance. And we don't know when that timing will come up again. So for things that to look forward in 2022 and beyond, I mean, obviously the world is still in a very unstable place with inflation, obviously the war that's going on um, for us directly, Taiwan, China tensions, are, are always uh, kind of a cloud looming, but at the same time, there will be, you know, where there's all these major world events, there's always opportunities to happen. So as a business owner, we just wanna be ready for any and all opportunities that presents itself. Obviously Ukraine is a mass producer of grain, which affects us directly because we have a lot of wheat flour in our product. At the same time, supply chain and um, global logistics is causing certain companies to have problems. So if your company is ready and you have products, this may be an opportunity to, to, you know, to launch where others are not prepared, you are, that kind of thing. So I think there's it's gonna be tough, it's not gonna be easy, but um, you know, humanity has a way to adapt and figure out a way to survive. So for the businesses that want to survive, I think now is the time to start really maneuvering and positioning yourself to get ready because there's going to be a lot of opportunities coming where one door closes another opens, right? That's what they say.
0: That is so wonderful. You know, there are a lot of young listeners, you know, who are AAPI background, AAPI heritage. What type of advice would you give them, you know, seeing what what happened last year with Stop Age and Hate and what type of advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's tough, but it there's help on the way. I mean, I've I saw something today that I didn't think I would ever see, which was the community really coming together. The proclamation of officially AAPI day in LA is just, it's amazing. I mean, that type of support and coverage, I think means everything. And if that type of support and coverage doesn't give young AAPI businessmen and women, um, you know, motivation to do something, I don't know what else because the is there. The door is open. Uh, the community, the government is basically saying, we're here to support you. Everyone had a tough time. Everyone can share their own experiences that they had with the anti-AAPI hate. But we cannot continue continuing to think about the past. And we don't want to be remembered for all the damage that, that this thing does and did to us. But we want to be remembered for how we endured and how we moved on past it and how we got stronger because of it. So I think if anything, now is the time more than any to reach out. If you need support, get it because it's there. People are ready to support and ready to help. Amongst the AAPI community, we need to band together as well. All the inter-fighting and arguments is just, there's enough stuff going on in the world that we don't need to be working against each other. So the more we stick together, the more we help each other, the better. I'm just a humble noodle guy. I don't do much, but my door is always open anytime I meet. You know, I see all these new young businesses starting up and, you know, you know, small companies that are bottling their own sauces or doing their own desserts in their garage. I mean, that's the American spirit, right? That's the AAPI spirit. That's everything rolled in one. We're always here to help. We're always here to talk, to advise. Again, we can't do much other than share our experience and share our opinions, But if it's worth anything to someone, we didn't get to where we are today by ourselves. And if you can leverage your network and the people around you, I think there are people that are there that are willing to share and willing to help. And I think that's the key to everything, which is work smart, leverage your network, meet people, because there are great, great people, not just AAPI people, but people of all races that are willing and ready to help.
0: And also even just having the comf- uh, the confidence to actually ask for help because a lot of times entrepreneurs feel like they can do it on their own. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's true. There, there's, that, um, there's that, I don't know if you call, I mean, every business owner needs to have some ego at a certain point. Most successful people always are very confident in their beliefs and what they want to do. But sometimes you can, you know, put that in the background, put it in your back pocket and keep it and be vulnerable, be open, be willing to share and be willing to receive. Right. And um, I mean, we learn, we learn things every single day. I mean, you know, is I think as long as you're willing to keep an open mind and an open heart about things, when things come to you, you just absorb it and grab it and remember it because you may not use it today, but one fine day, when you're struggling with something, you may think back to, oh, that day I met someone or something happened. I remember from that experience that I can use in my current situation. So I think it's just that, that awareness and that catalog, right? Having that mental Rolodex. I don't know people, if your audience knows what a Rolodex is, but having that, you know, that mental bank of information and resources that you can, you know, you can leverage and, and go to.
0: Yeah, so really just learning and reflecting from your past experiences so that when you are here today, present, you can really make some really good choices. And so finally, I also would love for everyone to support you as an AAPI business, and I would love for you to recommend to them some favorite noodles of yours.
1: Sure. So, I mean, it's specifically for our products, I mean, we're found in Costco, Target, Walmart, Amazon, and ethnic markets. We have uh, very cool collabs out there right now with Momofuku, with David Chang's um, famous ramen restaurants. We also have a collab going on with Sanrio and the Hello Kitty line. We have a new uh, collab coming out into the summer with BT21, which is a all right. BTS um, inspired noodle. And um, we have the collab with, um, you know, the Hawaiian Simon, which will be hopefully out by the end of the year as well. So we've got a ton of products that are out there in the market that are available to buy. Um, and in addition to that, if you want to try our style, the way we cook it and the way we present it will be at all the six two six night markets throughout the season and OC Arcadia Bay area and also, as I mentioned earlier, Smorgasbord at uh, May 22nd, that's where we'll be introducing our flying noodles. So come out, that's one of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time. And I can only thank my, my creative and marketing team for coming up with the concept and being able to put that together. So well, we'd love to see you come on out and everyone come and try our noodle and share, share in the culture, share in some Taiwanese cuisine.
0: What is your son's favorite noodle?
1: My son's favorite noodle—he loves the uh, knife-cut noodle. So that's the one that looks like it's like cut from a knife blade. It's also called the wavy noodle or the squiggly noodle. Um, yeah, he loves that one the most.
0: So they can also buy it online. What's your website?
1: Our website is AshaDryNoodle.com. You can also follow us on Instagram slash AshaDryNoodle, and of course, we're on—we're available on Amazon Prime as well.
0: Thank you again for being our first true monetary supporter of AAPI LA and hope you have continued success. And we'd love to have you back on the podcast, maybe next year to see how all your wonderful collaborations go.
1: It'd be an honor. Thank you so much, Kulika. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Young. Listening to Los Angeles Asian American Stories. You can follow AAPI LA on Facebook at AAPI Los Angeles and on Instagram at AAPI underscore LA. You can find me, Kalika Yap, on Instagram and Twitter at Kalika Yap. We appreciate you being part of our community.